So my name is Dan. I'm the children's pastor here at Great Oaks Community Church. This morning I have the privilege to teach us from God's Word as Pastor Bill is on vacation. So, uh, I hope you all had a terrific Christmas. That you're excited to see what God's going to bring ahead in 2013. Are you excited? I'll take that as a resounding yes. You're excited. All right. Uh, a few weeks ago when I found out I was going to preach this morning, I started thinking, what am I going to preach on? Right. It's the start of a new year in a couple of days. I thought, what can I preach on? And God kept bringing me back to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It's become known as the Lord's Prayer. And uh, you know, I don't know. I just take it that God wanted me to preach on that because I couldn't get it out of my mind. So that's what I'm preaching on this morning. Um, for the most part, when I preach, I like to have one major point, and then I have several, or like usually three, maybe five sub points underneath the one major point. I'm not doing it quite that way this morning. I'm doing it a little bit different. And uh, so this morning, I want us to kind of pretend that we're on a nature hike this morning. All right, don't worry, you're going to you're gonna have to get up out of your seats or anything, but we're going to go on a nature hike, even though it's like five degrees outside. We're going on a nature hike through through the Lord's Prayer. Most of the time when I go on a nature hike, this is how it usually works. I start down a path, and then after I walk a little bit, something catches my attention. All right, so I'll stop and I'll look at it, I'll examine it, study it, or appreciate it. Maybe it's a flower, maybe it's an animal or an insect or tree, whatever it may be. All right. I'll sit there and I'll think about it for a while and then I'll go on down the path and I'll discover something new. And I'll look at it, examine it again. That's what we're going to do this morning with the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to set out a challenge for you this morning. We have a day and a little over a day and a half left in 2012. I'm going to challenge you to put the Lord's Prayer to... to uh, well, to basically like memorize it before January 1st. Some of you know it already. Some of you were raised memorizing it. Others of you, uh, it's familiar to you. And some of you here this morning maybe have never read it before in your life. But I'm going to challenge you all to put it to memory before January 1st. And then throughout the year 2013, as you hear about it or you read through it or you think about it or even, or even make yourself think about the Lord's Prayer, and to reflect on some of the things that we are going to discover this morning as we go on a nature hike through the Lord's Prayer. All right? So I want you to get your hiking boots on. We're going to spend a few minutes going through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I'm going to have it put up on the screen, please. First thing I want us to do is to read it together. Uh, this is out of Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. And this is out of the, this is from the New International Version. All right? We're going to read together. I think we're going to read it together. We may not read it together. And if we don't, that's all right, too. There it is. All right. So I want you to read it out loud with me. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven 
our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Very good. Uh, all right, uh, Matthew 6 is in the middle of, obviously, chapters 5 through 7 in the book of Matthew. And those chapters are what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And at this time in history, Jesus is with his disciples. He's obviously on a mountain. And he's teaching his disciples some important things that he wants his disciples to, to know. And he teaches them many important things, obviously. It's coming from Jesus, so it's important. And then he gets down to prayer. And the first thing he tells the prayer before we get, or first thing he tells the disciples before we get to these verses, Jesus tells them, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't go out on the street corners and pray so that everyone sees you praying. And so that everyone thinks, wow, he is so spiritual. He's so religious, right? Jesus says, whatever you do, don't do that. Go into your room, close your door, and pray to God in privacy, right? He's telling us it's a conversation between us and God, right? All right, so then... Jesus gives us this prayer. Jesus didn't give us this prayer so that we could just just memorize it and be like robots and repeat it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Some people just say it mindlessly. They don't think about what they're praying. All right. That wasn't Jesus' intention. Jesus wants us to include these aspects of prayer into our daily prayer life. All right. If we want to pray this prayer, I think that's fine. I think the point behind this is that Jesus is teaching us things he wants us to include in our prayer life as we're talking to God. All right. So he shows us how to pray. And he starts out. He says, our father. We're going to stop our hike, our little nature hike right there at the beginning. Our father. Notice he didn't say our God. He didn't say our creator. He didn't say our Lord. He said our Father. Do you ever feel like when you're praying sometimes that you've got to make yourself pray extra hard, right? Or extra long. Somehow, some, some way hoping that your prayers sneak through the cracks in the ceiling, escape out there into the universe and somehow find themselves Landing on God's ears. Right? You ever feel that way? That you're praying to a God that is out there somewhere. Hopefully he hears my prayer today because I really need him today. Right? I've been there. Right? I imagine most of us have been there sometime. Right? Jesus says, that's not it. When we pray, he wants us to understand we should be like a child. Praying to our Father. Right? Like a child praying to a father. Now I want you to think in your mind what a healthy father-child relationship should look like. First thing that comes to my mind is that a child is normally excited to see his dad. Right? He wants to spend time with his dad. He wants to play with his dad. He wants to show his dad things and talk to his dad. Right? And a father will, or 
or a child will trust his dad. He loves his dad. Right? And the father provides for his child. He protects his child. He teaches him. He trains him. Right? It's a healthy father-child relationship. Right? Now I'm fully aware that there are some of you in here this morning when I say the word father, you don't exactly get warm fuzzy feelings in your stomach, right? Some of you didn't have some of you didn't have good fathers. Right? Some of you had fathers that were maybe abusive or uh, drunk or negligent or lazy or harsh or whatever, maybe all of the above. All right. So I want to be very sensitive. I know it's a sensitive subject. But if that's where you find yourself this morning, I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to not evaluate your heavenly Father based on the performance of your earthly Father. Alright? I think it's so easy for us to project to God the shortcomings of that our earthly father might have had. And to say, my earthly father was negligent. He didn't pay attention to me. He was gone. Whatever. And to look at God and to say, my heavenly father must be the same way. Right? Or to say, my earthly father didn't really love me. Didn't really care about me. And to say, my heavenly father must be the same way. I'm going to challenge you this morning. I don't think that's going to be easy. I don't think it's something you do overnight. But over the course of time, try to not evaluate and to project onto your heavenly father the qualities that your earthly father had. Right? Instead, I want you to look at your heavenly father to begin to understand how perfect and good and loving he was and still is. And to see... That perhaps your earthly father didn't live up to his standards, right? Don't allow a, a earthly father who was perhaps bad, not good at all, to prevent you from appreciating all the goodness and love that your heavenly father wants to be to you. There's a verse in the Bible I'm going to read that tells us some wonderful things about our father. It is out of Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. It says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Wow, friends, that's awesome. What a beautiful description of who God is, right? He's always with us. He's always present, right? He's going to guide us. He's going to guard us and protect us. That's who we have. When we pray to God, that's who we have. That's who we're talking to. I, uh, sometimes in the morning, I help my three-year-old boy get dressed in the morning. And we're sitting down on his floor and uh, sometimes he doesn't want to do things according to my schedule. He likes to do things according to his schedule. That doesn't always work in our family plans. All right? So I have to help him get dressed sometimes. And I'm sitting down on the floor with him. And, we're getting dr- and I'm getting him dressed. And many times, very often after he's done getting dressed, he'll turn around, face away from me, 
and slowly start walking backwards towards me. And then he bumps into my feet and my legs and he plops down into my lap. He kind of throws his head back on my shoulder. He doesn't usually say anything. He just sits there. But he's telling me everything I need to know. He's saying, Dad, this is where I belong. Jesus wants us to understand that as we pray to God, He's not a distant God. He's a God who's with us. And we sit in His lap. And God tells us, this is where you belong. Right? Amen. This is where you belong. Right here in my lap. Let me wrap my powerful arms around you and sit here for a few minutes. Our Father. And then Jesus brings great balance to it. He says, Our Father in heaven. Right? In heaven. What is God doing in heaven? I have another verse I want to read to you. That was Psalm 103, verse 19. It says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. His kingdom rules over all. Friends, it's very important for us to remember, as we pray to God, it's important for us to remember that the Father in whose lap we sit is also sitting on a throne. Okay? He's king. He's king of the universe. Controlling everything that goes on. All right? Especially when these words were written in Matthew, kings back then had complete power. They did whatever they wanted to do. And when a person walked into the king's presence, he came bowing. Right? He had great reverence and a healthy fear of that king. Okay? If that king showed favor on you, he could give you riches. He could, he could promote you in the kingdom. He could, he could make your life very easy. If he didn't have favor on you, he could send you to the dungeon or chop your head off. Right? It's the king. And so when people walked into the king's presence, they walked in with a lot of respect and a healthy amount of fear. Right? Friends, it's very important for us to remember as we're sitting in the lap of our God to remember he is king and to come with a reverence and a healthy fear of it, of who we are with. The best way I could illustrate this to you is out of my own life. God blessed me with a with an earthly father who loved God. He still loves God. He's alive today. All right. And he loves God very much. Not only that, but he did his best to raise his family in a way that brought glory to God. All right. I realize that might be the exception more often than the rule. Okay, I understand that. I don't say this out of a bragging way. I'm just a, just a very thankful heart to God for how he blessed me that way. And my father and I, growing up, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we played basketball. We'd play football. We'd go fishing. We'd have uh, family game nights with our family. We'd go camping, go to baseball games, whatever. We did a lot of fun father things, father-son things. All right. We had a good time. And we love each other. Still to this day, we love each other. Um, uh, and I never once growing up, 
I had to worry about whether or not my father was going to provide for me or whether or not he had my best interest to heart. I knew that he did, and I knew that he would. All right. But I also knew to never disrespect my father. All right. I had a very healthy fear of my father. Okay. Let me tell you the story. Every Sunday, my family would go to church. There was one Sunday on the way to church when my father said something to me, and I don't remember this day what it is, but it made me upset. I was think I was in sixth grade at the time, something like somewhere around there, and I was upset. All right, and so my family went to church, and I was sitting with my friends in the church service. I was sitting across the aisle from where my dad was, and I was still upset. I remember sitting there; I was just fuming. Right, I can't remember what it was, but I was just fuming. I was upset. During the course of that church service. My eyes met my father's eyes. All right? At that point, I had a serious lapse in judgment. <laughs> and I decided to make a very sassy, disrespectful face towards my father in the middle of the church service. Uh, I don't remember what I did. I snarled at him or rolled my eyes or stuck at my tongue or something. All right? To let him know I was upset. And uh, that was a mistake. I was very quickly ushered out of the church service to the church lobby where my father made it very clear to me that was not going to be part of our relationship. All right? That wasn't going to take part. All right? All right now, my father was a woodshop teacher for 35 years. All right? He taught woodshop. I'm going to tell you something about woodshop teachers. They are very good at handcrafting their own paddles all right and my father had a beautiful assortment of paddles in his closet i remember one paddle was especially beautiful as far as paddles go it had a nice it had a nice walnut handle on it very shiny it fit his hand like a glove all right there was another paddle he had it was a bit more rustic and it had five very nicely drilled holes through the center of the paddle going up the paddle the whole and the whole purpose of those holes was to lessen the resistance of the wind as the paddle was coming down all right now i can stand up here and tell you thankfully i very seldom met those paddles very seldom. I think I can remember. I think I can remember one time. Didn't mean I got spanked. I got spanked, but not with those paddles. All right. And the reason why I didn't get spanked with those paddles is because I knew it was a very real possibility that I would meet those paddles. I remember my father telling me one time, he says, Dan, go pick out your paddle. <laughs> That's not what you want to hear. All right. Like I said, though, I, I can hardly remember being spanked by that. I don't know. Maybe one time, I think. Um, right? I had this relationship with my earthly father. We loved each other. We had a lot of fun together. But I had a healthy respect and fear of my father. Right? We have a God who loves us more than we can imagine. And when we pray to Him, we sit on His lap. But let's never forget, our Father sits on the throne. Our Father 
in heaven. And then it goes on. Hollywood be your name. That word Hollywood, we don't use that word Hollywood anymore, right? I feel pretty safe in assuming that no one here has used the word Hollywood in the past week. All right. Maybe the past year, I don't know. Maybe if you read this passage, you, you came across it. But we don't go around using Hollywood as, as a word anymore. So I did a little study. All right, now, I don't pretend to, to know Greek. All right, I took two years of Greek in seminary, and that was a long time ago. All right, I know just enough to be dangerous. All right, and so I did a little word study on this. Thankfully, most of my study was all in English, so I can understand it. And, uh, and so I looked at the word Hollywood. And it comes from the, the Greek root word of, of hagios, right? And that word means to be made separate, to be made holy. Holy and separate are basically the same thing. If something's holy, it is set apart. It is made special and different. It is kept pure from everything else around it, all right? So this word hollowed means to be set above everything else. And in that word name means... Not what I thought it meant, really. I read it and thought, well, the name, you know, Jesus or God, the proper name. But that word name actually means a person's character, their reputation, their entire personhood. All right. So this phrase, Hollywood be your name, means, means I'm going to set apart the reputation, the character and the personhood of God in my life. And I'm going to set it apart from everything else and give it its special place. All right? It's above everything else. Now I want to pause for a minute. I'm going to ask you, how are you doing with that? Friends, when you and I come to the point in our life, if you've done this, I'm sure not everyone here has done this, but if you've done this, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, based on His death on the cross and His resurrection from the grave, right? We can have our sins forgiven. That means we can have a relationship with God and we can look forward to eternity with Him, right? And the moment that we do that, the moment that we ask for His forgiveness and we make Him our Lord, God sends us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. All right? So we have the Holy Spirit coming to dwell inside of us. God's presence in us. Now think about that as you live your life and as we think about this verse. Hollywood be your name. I'm going to set apart God and His character and His reputation and make it above everything else. How are you doing with that? That's a long conversation, right? It's got a lot of ins and outs and a lot of things we can discuss about that particular topic. I don't have time to do all that this morning. But I want to ask you this morning, as you sit here, how are you doing keeping God's reputation and His character set apart from everything else? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Most preachers, if they were to preach on this passage, they would probably take that verse or, or these, all these verses and make it a two, three, maybe four week series. All right? I don't have that luxury today. I have one Sunday here. 
So I'm not going to preach on the whole thing. All right. So we're going to go down to give us today our daily bread. I have three things I'm going to say about this. And then we're going to take our hiking shoes off. We're going to put our church shoes back on and we're going to be done. Give us today our daily bread. So often I think we read that verse. And it seems to give us permission. It gives us permission to give God our need list and our want list and our wish list. Right? I think this is oftentimes my favorite part of the verse. Give us today our daily bread. And then I think, okay, what do I need today? Right? Well, God, listen up. Here I am. This is what I need. I need And sometimes I have a very long list. All right. And I'm not saying there's not an element of that in this sentence. But I think if we pray that part of the prayer the way Jesus meant it to be prayed, with the attitude Jesus meant us to pray it in, it will go a long ways towards helping us strip away some of the pride that we have in ourselves. Right? Because it forces us to acknowledge to God That everything we have in this world that we really need to live comes from Him. But friends, you and I, or maybe our spouse, or whatever the situation may be in your family, we go to work. And we earn a paycheck. And we get in our cars and we drive to our homes and we go to the grocery store to buy our groceries and we go buy our clothes and we do it over and over again. And before long, friends, we are like, this living thing, I'm not too bad at this thing, right? And we begin to look around and say, look what I have made. Wow, I'm doing pretty good at taking care of myself. I don't need anybody else. I'm pretty good at this whole living thing, right? Aren't I something special? Look at me. (laughs) Right? But when you look at that verse, give us today our daily bread. Prayed with the right attitude, that forces us to acknowledge to God everything we have in this world that we need to live on is really from God, isn't it? And it helps us realize at any moment God wants, He can take it all away from us. Right? Give us today our daily bread. I'll point out something else about this verse. Notice, it doesn't say, give us today what we need for tomorrow. Give us tomorrow what we need next month. Give us next month what we need ten years from now. It doesn't say that. It says, give us today our daily bread. Friends, I'm not saying don't plan, don't prepare. I'm not saying be lazy, right? There's plenty of verses in the Bible that tell us to plan for the future. I'm not saying don't plan. I'm saying don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. God will give us what we need tomorrow when tomorrow gets here. And He will give us today what we need today. Friends, that can be life-changing. If we could just grasp that. We spend so much time worrying about tomorrow. What's going to happen tomorrow? Don't worry about tomorrow. God will take care of tomorrow when tomorrow gets here. 
There's a beautiful example of that God gives us. In Exodus chapter 16, the Israelites had just left Egypt, right? They've escaped out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness and they're wandering around and they're getting very hungry. They're crying out to God for food, so God gives them food. He gives them something called manna. Manna is like bread from heaven. The Bible says it tastes like honey. It's very good, I'm, I'm assuming. And God gives the Israelites very clear instructions. It's very clear. He says, go out each day in the morning and pick up the manna that you need for that day. Don't pick up the manna for tomorrow. He says, trust me, I will take care of tomorrow. You go pick up the manna you need for today. Right? Most of the Israelites did that. But the Bible tells us some of the Israelites did not do that. They decided that they would not trust God for tomorrow because they were going to take care of tomorrow. So some of them went out, picked up enough manna for today. And they also thought, I'm going to pick up enough manna for tomorrow. Aren't I smart? Right? Even though God said not to do that. That night, the Bible tells us that all the manna they hadn't eaten that day, that they had stored up for tomorrow, began to stink. It began to rot, and it turned to maggots. That's gross. Right? It turned to maggots. What a beautiful picture God gave us. Saying, don't worry about tomorrow. I will take care of tomorrow when tomorrow gets here. Right? We hear so much, man. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next year? I don't know. I know one thing, God's in charge of it. And He tells me He'll take care of it. So I'm going to enjoy today. And tomorrow God will take care of tomorrow. One more thing. I want you to notice in that verse, give us today our daily bread. It says give us today our daily bread. It doesn't say sell us today our daily bread. It doesn't say loan us today our daily bread. Friends, God gives us what we need. We don't earn it. We don't buy it. We don't somehow deserve it. We haven't become such wonderful people that God decides He's going to give us something as a reward for us being so wonderful. It says, give us today. It says, God will give us what we need. We don't earn it. Why would He do that? Why would God do that? No one really does that. It seems like there's always strings attached or you somehow earn it or deserve it or something. No. God gives it to us. Why would He do that? The same reason we celebrated Christmas last week. When he gave us his son, brought him to earth, put him on a cross, allowed him to die, brought him back to life. Because he loves us. That's it. He gives us what we need because he loves us. May we never get tired of thinking about that. He gives us what we need because He loves us.
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. I'm going to pray for us, and the band is going to come up and close us out. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.